podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And it is the Friday show, and it's John Givens hosting this week. And doing things slightly different. So with no games this weekend, we're just going to do three or four callers and see how they think their team's getting on uh, this weekend. And we'll start with optimism. Well, I assume optimism. Uh, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but it is flat from the fighting <laughs> cock to talk about a resurgent Tottenham Hotspur fight. I've- I've never been, and I don't like, it's four games in, I don't think I've ever been as happy as I am right now. And and, and a lot of that is to do with the fact that we've spent so long being unhappy. It's like being in a bad relationship and you meet this wonderful new woman and she's everything you ever wanted. It's that. It's that feeling. It's like, I can't wait for the football to come back. Do you know how rare that is for me to say? I can't wait to to go to Tottenham and watch us play Sheffield United in uh, the week after next. And, And that's all... In its entirety, down to Ange Postacoglu, and um, if you'd have, if it, it, I mean, if I would have said that, three he's, months he's, ago, an, he's an unlikely lo- love of your life, isn't he? Really, I, I didn't even know he existed before <laughs> last year. I literally did know, not know that Ange Postacoglu existed on this planet before he went to Celtic. Um, and we were warned, mate. We were, we weren't warned. We were, we were advised. This is what's going to happen, right? It will start off poorly, and it hasn't done. That's the only the only difference here. The Celtic fans said it will start poorly, right? You'll lose games you didn't think you'd lose. It will look like a mess. Players will be running all over the place, and you really won't be able to see what's what's happening. It'll be a bit like watching kids chase a football around the school ground, right? But then eventually it clicks, and you see it, and you may be a lesser team, and you think, well, it's just the lesser team. It's just Burnley, whatever it might be. And then he says, then you beat a good team. And then you fall in love with Ange Ball. We, we, we fell in love with Ange Ball before he even kicked one. And like <laughs> I say, because he it's it's where we come from, where we are. And it might go tits up. It probably will. It's Tottenham. This happens, right? But right now, I don't care. I don't care what the future holds for us. I'm just loving life at the moment. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, I mean, we all heard, you know, the Spurs fans at Bournemouth singing, we've got our Tottenham back. And yeah. Like that. And I really like the fact that you're, you're not looking too far ahead and you're not going, oh, maybe we're going to win this or that this season. It doesn't feel like it's about that for, for you or any of you, really. It feels it's about, you know, we're enjoying supporting this football club. Yeah, we're enjoying playing the football, football club, and, but, but could we? Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the sort of joke that's going around Spurs fans at the moment. Obviously, we couldn't. Obviously, there's no chance in this world. But could we? <laughs> um, so that was, that's the idea. But you know, no, no, no. It's certainly just about watching football. I mean... I, obviously, I've seen every minute of it, but the change in pace, the change in attitude, um, the willingness to get the ball forward, alongside all of these quotables that Postacoglu just serves up every press conference, <coughs> any fan in in my position would be <coughs> ecstatic. I'd imagine similar with Liverpool. Klopp came, just re- he just galvanised the football club. There was that moment, wasn't there, where Klopp got his players to go over to <coughs> the cop and um, celebrating inverted commas to all draw West Brom. Mm. And at the time, everyone was looking at him, what are you doing? He knew exactly what he was doing. He was building something. He was creating a relationship that became the the, the bedrock of Liverpool's success. While, I mean, if Andrew Postacoglu achieved half of what Klopp has achieved at Liverpool, then we'd be ecstatic. But the, the building blocks are there. <coughs> Excuse me. No worries. Um a few new players have come in. It must be said that he's working largely with sort of, you know, what the, what the last manager had and just play, choosing to play a, a, a different style. But yeah. One who has come in and has really caught the eye is James Madison. He feels like a, 
a perfect talisman really for for this for this new Tottenham because he's someone who enjoys football, wants to play with a smile on his face, and he's he's certainly got a chance to do that at the moment. Yeah, I think we're all we're all like surprised at how quickly he's taken to it, and he's not just taken to the football. Obviously, we all knew he was a class act. I didn't know he was as good as he what he has been. Maybe it's form, and he might settle down, but he has been that sensational so far. I think um, more more importantly is is how quickly he's bedded into the club. Um, and again, the rapport that he's building with the fans. Now he's half the player that Harry Kane is, right? But he's done more in four weeks to to make an effort to communicate with the supporters and engage with them than Harry Kane did in ten years. And that's he's a different personality, and it's not a slight on Harry Kane. It's just Morris Madison is doing that job very well, so well in fact that he's been made vice captain and he's come into the club and been made vice captain at twenty six, I think he is. So him. Um, uh, 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 having that role and responsibility in a group of players that were already there just shows you how important he is in the dressing room. And we needed that. We needed someone to come in and lift the club and lift the dressing room and change the dynamic because losing Harry Kane, he's the, been our talisman. He's the best footballer probably that Tottenham have ever had up there, certainly with players like Blanche Flower and Greaves, but probably if he'd won something, you'd, you'd say he was the best. But, you know, in terms of personal individual traits Harry Kane was that so to lose him from the dressing room you needed to replace it and rebuild it uh, so with Postacoglu and Madison I think they've um, they've gone some way to doing that already and changed the dynamic and, and thought process of a football club because regardless of what of how close we came in the last 10 years we didn't win anything when I mean, Harry Kane never won anything and, and whatever it was that winning philosophy just wasn't there um, I don't know if it will ever be there I mean the evidence would suggest that it won't but something is changing. Whether it'll end up in trophies is another question, but something is changing. That Spurs, Madison's been a big part of that, yeah. Um, it's a timely hat-trick for Son at the weekend as well. You know, he's, he's someone who, you know, you talk about, you know, being impossible to replace K, but, but goals will have to come from somewhere. Son's proved he can get them. Last season wasn't his best, so to for him to show that, you know, you can say it was only Burnley, but... Um, you know, for him to, to get a hat-trick and just what a player he's, he's been for you as well. We were doing a, a show to reflect on the Premier League on, on Monday and, you know, I found the stat that he's now scored more Premier League goals than Didier Drogba and Cristiano Ronaldo, which is just yeah. incredible. Now, Ronaldo got a few in Spain, I think it's fair to say, but but yeah. in terms of, you know, the, the two guys who really shone in the Premier League and he's number 30 now with all-time Premier League top scorers and, you know, He's been an absolutely amazing player for you and and looks like he's there's still a few more chapters to be written. Yeah, he's got a couple of years certainly left in him. Um his pace will event eventually, you know, leave him, but as a number nine, it's less important than if you play out in the wing. I think he will be our number nine now for the at least till January. Um Richarlison's just not good enough. If that, if I'm being blunt, it's, he's just not good enough to to lead the line. Certainly, if we've got aspirations of finishing the Champions League, so it will come down to Son, and um, we do have to replace those thirty goals that we lost in Harry Kane. Um, I think that Postecoglou's football will go some way to doing that. I think if there was a time to lose Harry Kane, this wasn't the worst because of the type of football that we're going to be playing. All of our forward line are going to get lots of chances, and there'll be goals from midfield as well, just because of the way the system is. Yeah. It, ironically, the, the the players that will get the least amount of goals will be the wingers, the the, the forward right and left, because their job is to just draw the the pitch, make it as wide as possible, so there's room for Madison and Bentancourt when he comes back in, or whoever's playing in midfield to get into the box and attack it. Um, 
so yeah, uh, Son's been um, Son Son is crucial to us as a captain, but also as a, as a goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's massive. The biggest one. I don't know if he was going to come onto it, but the return of Basuma because yeah, I was yeah. Sorry, um, he um, he is. Uh, I don't know. It's like a horrible cliche, but like a new player because Conte, <laughs> the fact that Conte looked at him and didn't rate him is is wild. It's mad, and it just goes to show what Conte was dealing with and 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 perhaps as a coach if you can't identify a talent like that when it's right in front of you then maybe you've passed it um it, basuma I, I and i've said this on multiple platforms now but basuma i think will end this season as the best six in the country and possibly one of the best in europe I've, as that's my spurs hat on i just he's he's absolute class and if he does it in the big games like arsenal then he should get the accolades that he deserves but yeah, it's um yeah, Basuma coming back in with that midfield of Madison and Papsar as well. Um, who's still rough and raw, but and probably needs Bentancourt to come back sooner rather than later. But um it's not a bad midfield trio. Yeah, not but not bad at all. And I was I was I was gonna mention Basuma because he's the one who's jumped out at me as the as the one who clearly the manager's getting it more out of. But I was just wonder if there's any others, you know, in the squad. Because as I say, it's not completely he's not come in and, and, and signed sort of five or six. You know, a lot of them are loans have been made permanent and things like mm. that. So are there any others? Yeah, as I say, Basuma's the one that jumped out at me for me, but the, any others that he's getting more out of. Well, he's getting more out of all of them, fundamentally, than than Conte did. Um he's you know, Son, as you as you already mentioned, he's you know last season he was half of the half the player that that we we'd seen previously. Um, so and he already looks like he's had a breath of fresh air pumped into him, if that is even an expression. Um, but yeah, I th- I'd say um, I'd say Basuma's the 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 biggest one. I think Perisic feels much more comfortable playing forward off the bench. Um, but the the wing backs are where I mean the one well, not wing backs anymore, full backs are where it's most interesting because. The whole system relies on them, but well, relies on a number of things, but on their ability to play into midfield. So, if you watch Spurs closely, when we've got the ball, our fullbacks abandon their positions and transfer them into inverted fullbacks, but also arrive in the box late as well. So, Adogi is going to be a top, top talent. Like his ceiling is so high. I mean, this is stuff that has been said many times in Italy before he moved to us. And obviously, Pedro Porro, we were we were anxious about how. We're anxious about how why we spent forty million pound on him. You can see he's a great player, but he seemed to be like a system player. He would be a great wing back for anybody. Can he play as a fullback? The roles are different but similar, and w- w- there was questions about whether or not he would be uh, be able to play as a fullback in the Premier League. Is he defensively sound enough? He's his defensive abilities are his weakest attribute, but they're improving. But going forward, kid is sensational as well. So. I do feel like I'm talking Tottenham up a lot, and I'm, I'm but I'm really giddy and really excited, and that's where it comes from. Uh, so I, I appreciate that fans of other clubs listening to this going, all right, you're going over the top, and I probably am, but I'm just really <laughs> excited. I'm just really excited. Listen, I will never throw cold water over giddiness. That is not my style uh, whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we're meant to enjoy it. We're meant to be optimistic yeah. about the season ahead. And the fact that you guys got not now is brilliant. Uh, Top Man Flav, thanks a lot uh, for joining us. As I say, he's from The Fighting Cock. Uh, he also does the No Holds Bar podcast, if you want to uh, check that out as well. But Flav, Top Man, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Pleasure. And now to another London team on 10 points. And it is West Ham and Andy Middleton. And... I tell you what, Andy, if I'd have offered you 10 points from the first four games, after you, <laughs> especially after you'd drawn the first one, <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have bit me hand off, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got, a, I don't know, 
egg on my face, eat some humble pie and all that. My initial views of our, our transfer window and how we were going to start. I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, I'm very happy to be wrong about that, to be fair. But yeah, yeah, would have done. A, a from how I thought we'd start and B, what looked like a difficult run of fixtures. So yeah, very happy indeed. Yeah, like you're saying, it's it's not been easy in terms of how the, how the fixtures have landed. Um, you know, Chelsea maybe played it at a good time, but that Brighton result really, really impressive. And for me, it's 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 great that you've been able to keep that positivity from the end of last season going because it's so easy when you lose, you know, your, your talisman and your captain to to go a bit flat. But you feel like you know, and, and <coughs> the manager and, and everyone around the football club I guess deserves a lot of credit for that because you've. You've come into the league singing about you being European champion still and everything feels good. <laughs> and, and, you, and you see that transmitted on the pitch. It looks like a looks like a fun place to play footy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think it... As I said, there was something about... I think in the Chelsea game, something about when we went down to 10 men and, um, I don't know, just the attitude of the players out there. I think I was saying there was, a, you know, that kind of warrior spirit, that kind of team mentality... And that seems to have really dug in. And I think that's the thing that sticks out, that the spine of that side, I think Alvarez already looks a player. Yeah. Um, but but Zuma and, and Ward-Prowse and Antonio when he's at it. But you've got some real leaders out there, um, irrespective of Rice going. So I don't think that's left a, a, the kind of leadership void that, that many people thought it might have done. Um, and it just looks a team of very experienced, good professionals who can play football and... I've kind of bought into to Moise's vision, uh, that kind of Moise ball idea that isn't everyone's um, thing. But but we look more like the team of two and three years ago than the team of last year. We look um, aggressive in the tackle. We look very difficult to break down and we look brutal on the break. So, yeah, it's 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 nice to see at the moment. Absolutely. I've, I've ended up watching quite a lot of West Ham this season. I think, you know, I mean, say quite a lot. There's only been four games, but you know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes with the way that, you know, the, where, where the fixtures land and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, yourself on a sofa or in a pub, uh, in my instance, you, you know, those games are on. And I've really, <laughs> really, I've really enjoyed watching West Ham this season. And, and like you say, it reminds me a lot of, you know, two, three years ago when you were really flying and the team spirit was great. But to think that one thing that's really impresses me is how well you keep the ball and, that midfield three of War Prowse, Alaves, and, and Paqueta. If there's if there's three midfielders, or if there's a midfield three in this country who who pass the ball and keep the ball better than them, then then they play for Man City, in my view. Yeah. And, and that's how honestly. And and I felt I watched the Luton game, and they were trying to impress, they were trying to press you, they were trying to get out you, they were trying to you know be a nuisance. But those three in particular, they were just pinging it around them, and and it's the technique, it's the it's the ability, and when you've got that, basically when you don't give the ball away. Um, it, it is such an asset and you talked about on the break there and I was seeing you know in, in the Chelsea game as, uh, as well because you can keep it so well it's it's three four passes then suddenly it's with Antonio or Bowen and, and those three in the middle as I say the way they've the way they can keep it um, in under under pressure and press resistance I believe they call it nowadays Andy but it, but it is really yeah fun. yeah I think you know the the and that's I think the big change from some of the time last season is we look, I, I feel more confident that whoever we play will give them a game. So against Brighton, you know, we gave up nearly 80% possession. However, I don't think until the last 10 minutes they troubled us. And we we aren't, the team aren't bothered if they don't have the ball. They're drilled to do what they do. Everyone does their job. 
Um, and you can ping the ball about in front of us all you like. We're, we're not bothered. Um, and then when we get it, we do something with it with a purpose. And then when we play a Luton, who are the reverse, where they want to play how we do against, shall we say, the bigger sides, yeah. then we're happy to have the ball, we're happy to keep the ball, and we're happy to play whatever. So I think we're, we're not that one-dimensional side. And this idea that, you know, we're just sticking men behind the ball, I, I don't think is it. I think there's a real plan to the way we play. And um, I've got us, you know, in Alvarez, Steiden sort of made himself a half a legend already terming up. And we haven't seen Kudos play yet, but if you've... I've seen the clips on YouTube and read some of the things of him. So, um, but turning up with Alvarez and getting in James Ward-Prowse, then, yeah, our midfield doesn't look any worse for losing Declan Rice, which is, which is a, a, a big step forward from where we were. And um, I think we're just looking forward to seeing Kudos play. And it, it's nice, you know, you, you're going into games where you're not fearing particularly anyone. You think, well, we'll give them a game and we'll adopt a, a game plan that will give them something to think about. 100% and there's, there's no play given... <laughs> Giving the opposition more to think about than Janet Bowen, I guess. You know, he ends the season, you know, with in in, in champagne style, doesn't he? It's, it's an absolutely brilliant moment. And he he's one who, you know, we talked before about keeping that confidence going. I think he's been he's been really, really impressive every time I've seen him, Janet Bowen this season. Yeah, I mean he looks at I mean he started last season poorly, and you know, that start of he didn't score an away goal all last season. Although he got back into it a bit towards I think the the England knocked back and various other bits probably Troubled him, but to have finished how he did in Europe, he has started the season on fire. Is the only word you can use, and he, he yeah, he, he really looks like he is. And to be honest, Antonio looks a refreshed player. Antonio looks like the Antonio of a couple of seasons ago. Um, and I think yeah, excited to see Kudos getting around them. And you know, a big, you know, all of them really can go through a lot. But I think I think having Man City bid eighty or ninety million pounds for you has given Paqueta a confidence of I must be doing something right. It really. You know, and probably makes other people realise what a player he is. And to have that in your side, I mean, you know, difficult it was against Luton. The ball he put in for for Bowen's header. There's not many people who can play those sorts of those sorts of balls in a game. So yeah, you know, our, our first eleven um, is a strong side. If I want to be my normal pessimistic Eeyore type self, I can still get a bit worried about squad depth as the Europa League starts. And but I'm just trying to enjoy the moment, to be honest. <laughs> well, enjoy your way. And you talk about the Europa League there, and there is another European adventure in your reward, you know, for winning that that um, that tournament last season. As you go, sort of a, a, a step up, or what's sort of said to be a, a step up into into the Europa League, and you know, everyone must be looking forward to that so much because of the adventure that you had last year, and because of the fact that you know West Ham will go not necessarily fearing anyone because you've, you you beat some good teams towards the end. Yeah. Of- and it's a nice group, isn't it? You know, you got Freiburg and Arcos and a team I've never heard of. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I'm sure you never heard of a week ago. I, uh, I, I did have to look it up on the map. I must be honest. It's about 100 miles <laughs> north of Belgrade. Oh, lovely! Um, nice this time. Um, so, unfortunately, we've got the uh, the because of some objects thrown on a pitch. We've got the away ban, so none of us can travel to Freiburg. So, because of that, quite a lot are going to Serbia, which is why I had to look it up on the map. <laughs> and I know it's 100 miles north of Belgrade, a town of 20,000 people, apparently. I, I don't know, so, but that's what European experiences are all about, right? Discovering these places you'd never normally go. Yeah, it might be near, near the 30,000 uh, that day <laughs> if, if everyone's sort of looking at it. But you, you, you've got to find yourselves to get out of the group, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think as much as last season, the season before, when 
all right, we didn't show up in the semi-final against Eintracht Frankfurt, but I think you know, we were probably one good game away from winning Europa League the season before. So I do think we fancy ourselves in Europe. I don't think... Um, uh, I, I think we'll get out of the group relatively comfortably. Um, and then uh, obviously it's a big reward if you were to win it with the, with the way the last 16 and last 32 works for the Champions League clubs. Uh, and then see where you go. So, yeah, the groups, are, it, it, it's a good start into looking at getting into the competition. Um, and I think starting how you do in the league takes a lot of pressure off because, you know, you're not already thinking, oh, we've got to get three points and then we've got a game on a Thursday night. Yeah. Well, I know that that's it. And, and you know, if you, if you if if your aim is 40 points or 50 points or even 60 points, you know, whatever it, it sort of might be, to have 10, you know, before the international. Yeah. It just is a great start, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that someone said there's a there's two types of West Ham fan. I'm definitely the second one. You could either look at it as we could have a week, few weeks ago and think we're top of the league, or you can look at it and think we only need another thirty points for safety. <laughs> You're a quarter of the way there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've only played four <laughs> games. Oh dear. Um, just to sort of finish off, there is a little bit more to come. I think corner was it was a good signing, and and like you say, kudos. Well, well, we do need to wait and see on, but you know, it felt like he was linked with a, with a lot of different clubs. You probably thought like you'd lost him at, at one point. I know that happened to you so many times last yeah. year, last summer with players. So, <laughs> sorry, apart you must have thought, here we go again. But but West Ham do get him in, and he is the type of player that the fans love to watch and get you on the edge of the seats. Yeah, I mean, for some of the clips which I've seen of him, and I can remember he, I think he scored at Anfield in the in the Champions League before. You know, he's, he's been at that level and. And proved himself able to score goals and perform at, at the highest level. So yeah, um, really, really looking forward to seeing him. I would have liked to have get a proper Antonio Mark II in. To be honest, um, that still bothers me. If anything was to happen to him around our style of play, but yeah, it'd be nice to see. Be nice to see Kudos um, start to. And it's it, you know he doesn't need to work miracles from day one, which is another nice thing. As I think you can you can blood him in quite slowly if they need to. Um, yeah. With with the way the team's performing, but no, I, you know I, you you can't complain. And as you said, the way that midfield looks um, for a combined, well, I don't know. I think we're what plus fifty million on the net spend of getting in Alvarez and Ward Prowse and, and and losing Rice. So yeah, that was some good business. Yeah, a lot of good business done by West Ham over the summer, I think, and that is why they sit in fourth place. Uh, whether they'll finish up there, uh, we'll wait and see. But uh, another good season ahead, I think. Uh, this show's a lot, been very optimistic um, so far. It's about to go the other way. But thanks a lot to Andy. Really nice <laughs> okay. to you. And I was going to speak to Natalie Bromley from No Name Never. And Natalie, I'm hoping for some optimism for you. It's 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 not looking good at the moment. It should be said that both yourselves and Luton have played the game less than everyone else. I think it was meant to be... To be against each other do you wish you'd have played that game just so you'd have a better understanding of of where you're at at the moment and I guess how would how would he to be I don't think so I think my reasons for being um happy that the fixture was rearranged still stand um I didn't necessarily want to face Luton in their first home game um, of their Premier League campaign, the first ever Premier League game at Turf Moor. Uh, sorry, at, at Kenilworth Road, not at Turf Moor, at Kenilworth Road. I didn't really want to be that team because it gave them a home advantage. It gave them the boost of the crowd, the optimism, riding high and against the side that they should be looking at trying to get three points from. So I, I, I didn't want to be in that position. And I think playing them later on in the season when perhaps 
we're getting a better idea as to where we all are and uh, it's going to be better for us um so no i think i think that's right now would i would i want to be three games in and on no points no of course i wouldn't but we're going to be four games in and on no points and looking at the fixtures that's exactly where we will be and and we'd only be on possibly three points or worse none or one if we'd have played that Luton game as well so I'm still very realistic about where we are and who we've played and I'm very much looking on the bright side of being well we've had three free hits so far and we've been able to play around with the team get used to what works and what doesn't in the Premier League and those games are out the way now we don't have to play them again in this fixture they are out the way. Do you think the manager will have learned from those games? You said, you know, you've you've seen sort of what works and what doesn't. Do you think, you know, that's how the manager is approaching it and looking at it as well? Do you think he he feels will feel like in a, in a slightly, if not better position, then a slightly more knowledgeable one? Well, I, I did hope so. I was disappointed to see us making the same mistakes in the Spurs game that we did in the Villa game. Um, I think there is a slight. I say slightly reckless confidence in his um, determination to play a very high-pressing line, play with these inverted full-backs, play square pegs in round holes and tinker around with the team. There's almost there's like a fearlessness in, about him that's saying, look, we we know what we're about. We're going to come here. We're not going to play scared. And if we take a hammer in, we take a hammer in, but we're going to do what we do. And, and that's fine against the bottom half teams in the division and ones that you would hope to beat we are asking to be absolutely humiliated against the bigger times who will run riot against you certainly in in the first three games we've enabled our opposition's multi-billion pound midfielders just to run absolute riot and have freedom of the park so I'm a little conscious of that um I don't know whether Vincent Company knows that, but it's just like, well, I'm just going to do the same thing this game anyway because we're going to try something else. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I'm hoping that he's learning and learning quickly. We'll see. Because the, the games after the international break are, are fairly tough as well. You've got Forest, yeah. Forest away on a Monday night, who've got a really good home record, and then it's Manchester United at home, Newcastle away, and then Chelsea at home. Um, so do you look at that, you know, in a, in a similar sort of way as you did the first fixtures, or do you go, do you know what, actually those two home games, you know, against Manchester United at 8 o'clock um, on a Saturday night, that maybe they won't fancy that, Chelsea struggling. Do you look at maybe those home games as, as something where you could help turn it around? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, you know, we're, we're not going to be under any illusion. United and Chelsea will have better squads than us. And if, yeah. they pay, if they play their A game and we play our A game, they'll probably beat us. Um, but I would suggest that if Burnley play their A game and those teams play their B game, for example, then I think we've got a realistic chance. I feel more confident about getting points from home games against Chelsea and... Uh, sorry, games against Chelsea and United than I did against Villa, Spurs and um, City. Villa and, and City particularly are going to be up there this season. Spurs didn't quite expect them to be as good as it has been, I'm not going to lie. It feels like the the passing of um, passing on of, of Harry Kane has has re- revigorated that side massively. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, listen, they're really tough. You don't want to be in a, you want the fixtures to be kind to you, and the opening fixtures haven't been. But again, you've got to try and flip this on its head. And when you're in a relegation battle in the Premier League, I always look to the last ten games of the season. 
And because yeah. we've got all of our really tough fixtures at, at the beginning, we, we've got a, a better run towards the end. And, and, you know, guys, we only need to finish 17th. It's, it's <laughs> it, you know, it, it is, it's reality. We only need to finish 17th. I think all of these comments that Burnley can be pushing for the top half this season are, um, I've always felt they're ambitious. Um, the three promoted sides could easily go back down um, as or stay up. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I guess the fact is as well. There's just a number of teams down there who who were struggling and and yeah, five looking for the first win. There's a couple who were on one win but have lost to three others, and it is just one vis- good result, isn't it? That can not just catapult your season but also catapult you up the table. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you look at our relegation competitors at the bottom of the league, who've either got this, they've only got one point or three points more than us, having played a game extra. The teams that they've played are more winnable, and I'm I'm happy that I'm putting the speech marks in that. You can't see me, but I'm putting the speech marks in that. They're more <laughs> winnable games than the ones that we face. They've played, you know, look at Everton for example. They've played. They had um the fixture gods gave them a really good start to the season, and they're only on one point. They managed to draw with Sheffield United. Um, they've got beaten off teams that they should be looking at getting points from. So you've got to, if you're a Burnley fan at the moment, you've got to cut out the noise. You've got to respect the opposition that you've played. You need to chalk off bad fixtures for us, of which there are probably a good 10 of those in the Premier League. And you have to just realise that you still have the winnable games to come and those sides that are around you on points still have those fixtures that you played to come yet. So there are 35 games left. We have got plenty of time. Let's not worry. In terms of individual performances then, is there anyone who's who's shone so far or is there anyone who's you know coped with the, the jump up particularly well? Yeah, well, the biggest one to note is our centre-forward, Lyle Foster, who um, came to us in January of last year, so he's spent the second half of the season. Um, Vincent Company raved about him, and I think in, in the documentary that's on Sky at the moment, um, told the board that we had a potential £100 million player within our ranks, and he was talking about Lyle Foster. Um, two lots of eyebrow raises from Burnley fans who saw somebody who didn't exactly settle last season. Um, his comeback this season, he looks physically different to the one that we saw last season. His movement is an absolute beauty to watch, and he's scoring goals, and he's been our man of the match in every single game that we've played. Um, to the extent we're actually genuinely starting to wonder which one was the fake Lyle Foster. Was the one that they sent us last season um, a <laughs> prototype that we've sent back? Is this one an imp- like his twin brother or something? Um, but yeah, so he's he's surprised everybody, and what a, an absolute joy he is to watch. Um, it's been quite difficult, really, to assess the rest of the players, because they've, they've been absolutely battered for three games you know, without question um i think we've struggled in the middle um I, that worries me i don't fully understand why josh brownhill's been completely dropped out the picture um the biggest problem that we've got is that we we failed to sign a left back which was shocking yeah. we don't have a not only do we not have cover at that position we don't have a recognized starter in that position um, a, so you had a move for the the, the lad from chelsea yeah that, Ian Matson. that's really late wasn't it no, well, no, it's not. It's been going on all summer. So he spent last season with us on loan. Yeah. Um, he was a key part of our title winning campaign and, and we were told that he was he was coming. And I think probably on the grounds that um, he wasn't going to get first team football at Chelsea. And then over the summer, he suddenly started being pushed up a little bit in terms of choices at Chelsea. Um, I haven't fact-checked this, so this is speculation. I need to be very clear in being responsible in reporting this. But how I understand it happened was that when... 
um, Poch came in and said that basically he was going to be higher up on his, um, what's the word I'm looking for, in his plans than maybe he was before. That suddenly turned his head to wanting to stay. He then said, well, look, I'll, I'll go, I don't mind going out on loan, but I don't want to leave Chelsea permanently because he's in his last year of his contract. He needed to sign a new deal before he could come on loan to us. So they thought that was happening. And then eventually a deal was agreed on, on the day for um, a loan deal to come to us, and but, but with an oblig- obligatory option for us to buy at 31.5 million. Um, the board and our board agreed it. Apparently, Chelsea needed to sign for FFP um, reasons. Uh, and it was down to the player. And, and apparently, Poch got in his ear and said, look, I, I think you're really talented. I want to play you. And he obviously stayed with Chelsea. Um, the disappointing thing from our perspective is we clearly put all of our eggs in an Ian, basket, Ian Matson's shaped basket um, and left us with absolute... Apparently, it was at eight o'clock at night on deadline day. He was coming and then it all fell over. And that's just... It's just really poor to not have a backup, even if... And I understand how you want to do your business and you don't want to string players on, but... I, but then, And then on top of that, I don't understand why he's not just playing Charlie Taylor, who's an, who is the only left-back that we have in the squad, rather than playing Alda Keel, who's 19-year-old and a left-footed centre-half at left-back, and Charlie Taylor doesn't even make the squad. So there's a couple of things like that that I'm a bit, oh, what's going on here? Um but you know what? Let's let's not worry about it. I think uh, we, we'll just sign a left back in January, and and uh, all will be fine. Yeah, and, and win fifteen of the last twenty games and stay up in the most un- most unorthodox yeah. way anyone's ever done it. Uh, uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to speak to you, Natalie. Love to hear that the that the summer and that the start hasn't uh, driven that positivity out of you that comes from winning a championship at a cancer. Uh, huge thanks to Natalie. As I said, from no name never. One more call to come. I'm finally to Bournemouth and to James Roach. And James, it's been a bit of a funny season for Bournemouth. No wins, yeah, but um, it's been quite a tough start on paper in terms of the games you play. There are two teams on 10 points. Um, we've beaten you, a couple of other sides. You know, West Ham, we went on 10 as well. Um, so so three of, the, three of the top five you've played and, you know, Brentford are, are pretty good. Um, certainly at home, getting a point there. So is it, I guess you could spin it either way. Which way are you going to spin it for us? Um, it, with eternal optimism, of course. You've got to, right? Brilliant stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, looking at that opening four games, would we have taken two points? Yeah, of course we would. I mean, looking at the fixture list, now, you know, our se- it's almost like our season doesn't start till October because even in September we got Chelsea coming up. Well, actually, you know, the way they're going. Might quite... be rubbish, might be rubbish, yeah. Well, that's it. You never know. I quite fancy us. Um, and we've got good history against Chelsea. Uh, we've always done well against them in the Prem. Brighton away. Uh, you know, we're still waiting for Brighton's bubble to burst, but it's not really showing any signs, is it? But they they can blow hot and cold, so you never know. And then Arsenal at home. Um, so it, it's like, it's, it's rough. It was always a rough first seven games. And you're thinking, well... Okay, it's the start, but it's a run of seven games, isn't it? At the end of the day, that are you've got to look at and go. We're not, we're not going to do great. But then October comes, and we've got Everton, Wolves, and Burnley. So I would fancy us against all three of them. So, it, so again, I suppose through September, as long as we're not cut adrift and we maybe cut, you know, pick up a win or a couple more points, then I fancy us from October onwards to start putting a run together, and especially in light of the fact that. We'll have gone from seven injuries, hopefully, down to more like three or four by then. 
Yeah, it could give you a chance to get a few back. And also, I guess, for the new players to gel, because, you know, I know some of the ones that came in in summer were, were you know, on loan already and things like that. But it, it does feel like a new feel to the squad. It's obviously a new manager. So so getting tough games out of the way when you're still sort of gelling together and doing okay in those games, I guess, is no bad thing either. Yeah, and actually, we've, we've acquitted ourselves really well in those games. I mean... I said at the beginning, didn't I? Let's not talk about the Liverpool game, but let's... You can talk about the first five minutes. <laughs> we can talk about the first five minutes and the last five minutes. Because actually, <laughs> you know, we I think we I think we acquitted ourselves pretty well and I think we looked a decent team considering, you know, there were new faces and, and we were up against, you know, a team like Liverpool at Anfield, you, you know. Um, Tottenham has probably been our worst game and it, it was 2-0. Tottenham played really, really well. You know, there was no no hiding from the fact that they were excellent and and we we were okay, but they only beat us 2-0. Now, I think 12 months ago, we might have got beat 4 or 5. So, um, you know, West Ham was a good game. It was just a really, really good game between two decent teams. And I, I think I'm right in saying that's the only game that West Ham haven't won. Um, so we did all right there, did all right against Liverpool, uh, did okay against Tottenham. But then, you know, Brentford, we weren't far off beating them and Brentford away is a tough game. Um, so, so yeah, I think, like you say, it's early stage, new manager, quite a few new players, but actually in those four really tough games, we've, we've looked all right. So that's why I think I feel pretty optimistic about what's to come, really. Especially, you know, Marcus Tavernier is going to come back. He'll be huge for us. Tyler Adams, you know, we've been missing Jefferson Lerma. Of course, of course we have. But Tyler Adams, I think his energy is going to be massive for us when he comes back. He's back How on long the long Sorry. Well, they, they, he said he wasn't going to come back before the international break, which is obviously now. So I think we've seen him out on the grass. There's, there's pictures of him training. So I, I think... October, we can probably start to see him. Um, Tavernier was came off the bench, set up the goal for David Brooks. Um, we've got Alex Scott to come. He was twenty five million quid from Bristol City. You know, a lot of our and a lot of these signings have sort of gone under the radar. And I, I, I check probably the same as you, like the football sites religiously every eight minutes. Um, and a lot of our signings don't really get the headlines. But twenty five million quid. For a player in the championship is, in my mind, huge. But it's yeah, gone up. A lot of people wanted him as well. A lot of people looked at him, and it was boom if you've yeah. got this stuff, the money. So I'll be really interested to see how he does. And like you say, having these players sort of coming back, and you know, you can get excited about them, but until they're on the pitch, they're not really getting. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of you know other players, you know, you mentioned uh, you, you mentioned a couple there. Uh, I like Semenyo at Anfield. He was a handful where we didn't really enjoy playing against him, uh, which is normally the sign of, of something. Um, I guess yeah, they didn't, they didn't, they were they were pleased when he went off. I think yeah, he's been he's been a massive surprise for me. We bought him in January, twelve million quid, something like that. Um, looked at him for you know he hadn't blown things away at Bristol City in terms of a goal rate assists he was there and we were trying to figure out well what is he is he a striker is he a winger what what is he didn't look out of place but he didn't set the world on fire back end of last season um and he'd, he'd often just sort of come on for Solanke for the last 10-15 minutes hold the ball up all right but um didn't really look like much was going for him from the off this year, he came on as a sub against West Ham uh turned the game he was absolutely superb he was really aggressive 
running at players. Um, I think I'm right in saying he scored or he certainly set uh, Solanke up. Or uh, I think it might. But yeah, I think he set Solanke up, didn't he? And he, and he scored at, at Liverpool. Um, but he's been superb. Absolutely the surprise of the season so far. So yeah, you know, when you look at all these new signings, you think, well, he could be amazing. He could be awesome. He's not going to do much. But actually, it'll always end up a bit different. And I suppose, yeah, some of those bigger marquee signings might not end up as good as they, uh, you know, as good as we were hoping. But Semenyo is absolutely superb so far. And I'm glad he scared the bejesus out of you. <laughs> I mean, you know, my, my bejesus is all over the place when I'm watching <laughs> that team in Anfield, to be honest with you. So it's easily done. But, you know, You've had a couple like Virgil who were a bit more, yeah. <laughs> you know, but Jesus are normally a bit more in, intact. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Max Allen's as well, because you talk about signings coming in under the radar. and It wasn't long ago that every club in Europe was linked with him. He was talking about Man United, uh, Man United Bayern Munich. I'm sure we were linked with him with as well. And, and so for you guys to get him for a relatively low fee compared to some of the madness being thrown around. And he started every week, hasn't he, straight in? Yeah, he's been great. Absolutely brilliant. I can't believe we only paid 12 million quid for him. Can't believe he was about to go to Leeds. Um, I, you know, I can't believe other Premier League clubs weren't looking at him. He slotted straight in. I think he, I think we signed him on the Friday, played on the Saturday. Um, and he looks brilliant. A- absolute class up and down the line. Good defensively. Um, good, good going forward. Quick, direct, aggressive. He's got that Adam Smith bit about him as well in that he can win. He just dives and wins a free kick. He's really good at that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, him and, and Kirkesh is the other one on, on the other flank, uh, the other left back. He, again, I don't think we paid a huge amount of money for him. Something like 15, maybe, come from Altmar. Um, he's only 19. He is absolutely incredible. He looks every bit a serious. And I, I think he's a top six player already. We've only seen him play four times, but... Him and Aaron's uh, as as our fullbacks, you you know they are they're proper proper players. No, oh, good stuff. Uh, good to hear it. Yeah, I was interested when he went there and for him to hit the ground running. And I like I like someone good at winning a free kick. Uh, Didi Haman used to crumple really well. Uh, That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the the the, the flick and throw. He just does it. <laughs> he does really well. A little flick and he's gone. You know, <laughs> but somehow he comes the refs into it every time. Yeah, Didi Man just ended up on his knees over the ball. <laughs> so it must be a foul somewhere. Uh, and, he, and he get it. Um, what do you think of the manager, first of all? I know it's a bit early to say in terms of the impact he's going to have, but do you like the cut of his jib? I like the cut of his jib, yeah. I think the way he the way he talks, he's been really measured. He's been really clear. Um, he's talked confidently about what he wants from his players, where they are now and where he wants to get them. Um, he's... He talked about making changes from the bench and he's done that every single game, which I like to see. And I don't think, I think the thing that's missing at the minute is, and and this has been commented on a fair bit in the media, you're not seeing huge differences in the playing style just yet versus last season. So it's still a little bit slow in some of the build-up play, but it is definitely more direct. We're seeing much more direct. We're seeing higher pressing, but not, sustained if you like I, I remember vividly when Klopp first took over at your lot you know it was like wow look at this look at this pressing this is unreal um we haven't quite seen that I was hoping for it I was hoping for like the Bielsa effect that he had at Leeds as well I think we've seen a bit of it but not not enough and that might just be that he hasn't had enough time with them you know yes uh 
um, it came in, uh, I guess it was June, wasn't it? Um, when, when, when we moved O'Neill on. The, the interesting thing is his number two hasn't yet started because he can't get a work permit. Um, so, you know, he's kind of managing with the existing backroom staff at the minute. So I, I wonder if that's playing a part in not quite getting the message across to the players so far. But but yeah, early early signs are, are superb. We've, we've coined a great new song for him as well that was blaring through the stadium at Brentford uh, and was commented on all to do with Estrella and Paella. Uh, so it's a nice bit of casual racism going on. Um, but you know, just just yeah, yeah, he's he's popular so far. We 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 like him so far. There we are. Uh, there we are. What a lovely place to finish. Uh, James Roach with the confidence of a man who's seen the teams who play 17th to 20th at the moment. Um, he's watched Everton play football. He's not worried in the slightest. Uh, thanks a lot to James and all our callers today. That's been a slightly different Friday show. Back to normal next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.